listen carefully. Hello, my name is Joseph Friedman with the CRX podcast, which is a podcast that's directly related to articles in the CRX magazine that comes out quarterly. This is all under the Pharmacy Podcast Network, where I used to have a podcast called The Medical Podcast with Todd Yuri, but I'm thrilled to be a part of that. And in addition, uh, I'm a pharmacist with a master's in business, and uh, I owned and operated a medical cannabis dispensary that uh, was very unique in Illinois, being the only one that was pharmacy-centric, and very proud of that and had a lot of fun with that. It's been kind of surreal at the same time. What I'm trying to do is get the good word out about the benefits of medical cannabis that's fair and balanced uh, for all of you folks. You can find the CRX podcast on crxmag.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Enjoy listening. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I do not feel cool enough to even be sitting here with uh, Mr. Cal Vandergriff and Shane Gerritsen. Cal is actually in the Pharmacy Podcast Network headquarters studios in Hiller, Pennsylvania. We're zooming in uh, Shane, but gentlemen, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The views and opinions expressed within are those of the authors and speakers themselves and do not necessarily represent any affiliated institution or third party. because of a trip that you and your brother are taking. So let's talk about that. Yeah, the Let's Farmanize listeners may not have realized that I wasn't on the last podcast episode. That was because I was in the middle of New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, doing a bunch of hiking where I definitely did not have service enough to to bring, bring a podcast. So yeah, we were just doing a bunch of hiking and this is day... 12 out of 13 and we're almost home, but we had to make a quick, quick trip in obviously and, and uh, see the HQ. That's awesome. If you haven't heard the Outlander episode, that's the one that Cal's referencing. Um, it's a funny episode. I really like it. And um, Shane, you guys do an amazing job grabbing snippets of pop culture and pulling in a pharmacy aspect of it. I'm so proud when you guys make that boomerang approach to all the content that you're developing. Give our uh, listeners right now just an overview of it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we um, that's kind of what we love about pharmacy. And it's it's almost impossible now to watch anything without determining how realistic it would be biologically or anatomically, because I can't like watch a horror movie. We would just watch. Um, well, actually, I don't want to spoil it because we're going to do an episode about it coming up soon. But Fear Street is on Netflix right now. It's really good. Watch the uh, the first part of it. And then we'll talk about that ending scene with the EpiPens. You'll know what I'm talking about when we release the future episode. But yeah, so we take um, things like Outlander or Cal had a really great episode about uh, Limitless, which as people probably famously know is about the the fictional drug, the Limitless drug, NZ. What was it called again, Cal? NZT? Yeah. NZT? Right. right. I love that movie. Yeah, it's a it's a good movie. It's a fun movie. But we'll analyze any kind of pharmaceutical reference in a movie or a TV show or even some some books and some literature we've talked about and we want to talk about in the future and to just determine how realistic it is. What's the um what's the end game with Let's Farmanize? Because it's a like it's an amazing show and I think you could keep 
taking it in directions. This the the hosts that obviously you guys as the hosts, but the guests that you have, they're so much fun to listen to too. Are you guys all in the same uh, location when you're recording? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Sometimes we have to bring a guest on on Zoom because it's a little bit too far away. But um, as many listeners of the podcast know, we just recently had Adam Gladio back from RX Rise on our uh, a follow up that Todd did. What was that now? A month and a half ago, right? Like just yesterday. Yeah, we we brought him in. He's from the Raleigh area, so we we brought him in, and uh, we definitely had a fun time with him in our studio. Yeah, yeah, we we love bringing guests on. We don't know where the future is uh, with the Let's Farmonize podcast. We go week to week and we have fun with it. I like to see that we keep growing and there's no worry to fret on the future, I suppose. That's good. The need for real information being palatable by the consumer is literally an opportunity to generate income through that mode of what you guys have invented with Let's Pharmanize. Because I know that you're catering towards pharmacists and pharmacy students with the show, but if you pivoted in the future when you guys are pharmacists and you're digging into community or Shane goes off to specialty or you know someone becomes an MSL or regardless, you're always gonna be able to pitch back to the public and consumers podcasts that are talking about issues, but you make it entertaining so that they literally learn something from a PharmD. And I, I think when I saw the show come out and really started following it, you joined the network and we, we've been blowing it up. You've been getting between 18 and 2,200 downloads per episode per 30 days, which is amazing especially for what I would consider a new show. You guys are onto something is what I'm saying. Cause I've, believe me, I've listened to a lot of podcasts <laughs> and, and you guys are talented. So well, keep it up. Appreciate it. I want to know because I don't have, I have my finger on the pulse of the widest stance of all things pharmacy. I can always talk just about anything that touches our industry and touches our profession. And I'm very proud of that, but I don't go deep on really any one thing per se, except probably pharmacogenomics and, and pharmacy software. But what's the temperature? What's the attitudes of our P1 through P4s right now? The pharmacy students that you're hanging around about the profession. And I wanna, I wanna hear from Shane. I wanna, I wanna hear what you, what you see, what you hear, what your, you know, what, what the excitement level is from a one to a 10. Like, what do you think's going on with, with your cohorts? Do you want the, the earnest answer? I want, the, I want the honest answer. Like we wanna really, I really wanna challenge our listeners with, with what is coming from two existing shining star p3s all right well here goes i i love what i'm doing and i love what uh, pharmacy has provided for me over the past seven years and i i'm excited about the future that i have and the future that people that i know and my friends have in in pharmacy but right now it's it's a tough area i think some of the the biggest names in pharmacy the retail chains they have a um, tarnished reputation almost in the way that they they treat healthcare as more of a, a business than they do treated as a way to actually heal people and 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 provide medical care 
it's the the business model of a lot of the chains can be really money centric and i i think there's also it's going to be a tough market over the past over the next couple of years because the the Pharma, the occupation is ballooning. We've had a massive increase in the number of pharmacists, but not an increase in the number of jobs. So right now, salaries are are down. Um, you probably didn't want anything this honest, but <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough, but I I I constantly try to look on the not only on the bright side of things, but I I try to actively change things where where I can and where I have any 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 degree of 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 influence. I'm really active with our um, North Carolina legislature and working on some some projects right now. It's 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 really tough, but I think that if people advocate for the career and for the profession of pharmacy, there's it's just it's infinite. How the the amount of improvement that we can provide is is infinite. There's so much that we can do to provide better healthcare for our patients and and safer better outcomes for for in any field in pharmacy, whether it's in retail or whether it's in specialty or hospital or or research or academia, any avenue that you can go down, you can advocate for the profession of pharmacy and and protect our patients and then our careers as well. Cal, what do you think? What do you what's your feeling? What are you hearing? I got to piggyback a little bit off of Shane a little bit. The excitement isn't as much now as it was probably when we started and our excitement level probably wasn't the same as it was three, five years ago. And that's because, you know, Shane, Shane mentioned that jobs aren't increasing, salaries are going down, uh, but more pharmacy students are coming out of school than ever. That's a, that's a real and genuine concern for most people. It's a concern for us. I, I, would, I would be lying if I, if I told you that the excitement level is, is vast and there's no issues anyone sees. It's just not realistic. I'll pull from my own experience, I suppose. There's been a couple times during pharmacy school that I just wanted to dip, you know, quit. Yep. And I wouldn't be the only one. Shane remembers one night we we spent probably six hours that night with all of our friend group talking about, you know, I, I'm not going to do this anymore. I can't do it. I'm doing something else. I can't do it. But you just get through that and you have to, you have to have good network of people. It's always about networking. Okay. When you go into your profession, uh, a career or just in, in school, you know, it's all about the people that you surround yourself with. And that's the only reason I'm still here right now and doing now what I love. I committed recently to, to say that, you know, when I get out of pharmacy school, becoming a pharmacist, my goal is to open my business. I want to become an independent pharmacist. A lot of people are scared to do that because of, you know, the PBM situation and DIR fees and, and everything else that comes along with that. However, if we can get back to one day serving the people and making sure that they are the first and foremost when it comes to pharmacy. I think that's going to be better. And companies like RX Rise are starting to do that. So it's good to see that they're emerging and independent pharmacies might finally start turning around and, and start beating up on the major chains. So there was an article, it's not super recent. It was in Drug Topics in March of 2020, right at the height of the pandemic, where um, several, I think there's a, at least six of some of the major people in, in pharmacy, Jennifer Zilka, Kurt Proctor, Ann Burns, uh, Calvin uh, Knowlton, and my uh, favorite of these, uh, Dr. Becky Winslow, who is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. She is the host of PGX for Pharmacists, which is in the top 20 genomic, genomic podcast in the world and the only one that's led by pharmacists. So clap your hands for Becky Winslow. Um, but Becky said in this article that um, dispensing is dying. Um, she is uh, in pharmacogenomics and she's a consultant pharmacist and she helps 
other pharmacists understand how to leverage the science of PGX and how DNA impacts your medications versus someone else. And she said, I was a pharmacy manager for Walmart for 21 years and started plotting my way out within two years. And she could see the business model just wasn't sustainable. In the same article, it says that you're going to walk into a pharmacy in 2030, which isn't that far away if you think about it. A couple of years. And there's a good chance that you're going to see a pharmacist there, but they won't be dispensing. So I want the pharmacy students out there, the P1s, P2, P3, P4s, your, your residents, your people that are doing appies and community pharmacy, the limits of what our profession is going to deliver to you as a career is literally in your hands. And if you want to create a role that's not out there right now, that's enveloping technology, medication management, data, PGX, um, per predictive modeling, where you can show the consumption of somebody that's a diabetic that has hypertension, that um, is 81 years old, and you can literally use data and AI to show their consumption of medications over their next 15 to 20 years or whatever, like you're going to be able to do some crazy, amazing things. I think of uh, people um, that are already kind of in that mode of thinking. Uh, there's a website out there called pharmacist.dev. We just interviewed and released um, an interview uh, with the founder of this, uh, Dr. Derek Baroski. Um, Dr. Chloe Givens did that interview. And that entire website is a collection of pharmacists that have built uh, career portals, special websites with uh, information um, as like information uh, sections that take disease states, podcasts, courses, blogs, general communities. There's nothing about this website. There's nothing about the people that are in this website. Dr. Jamie Wilkie, PharmD, precision medicine consultant, helps pharmacists understand how to build their business. There's absolutely nothing about dispensing on this website. And that's the, that's the kind of like the bottle that, that pharmacists have been trapped in, you know, and there's been some good to it and there's been some bad to it, but now it's time to allow our automation and our technology and our uh, mobile apps and other things that can assess and accelerate data to do that and bring pharmacists into the true practice of why you guys went to school, understanding how medications affect. Because when you grab the baton from the primary care physician and you're seeing your patient 10 to one that a primary care physician is seeing, there's so much opportunity for pharmacists to do something with that. Let me give you, uh, let me give you something. There, there is a good thing and a bad thing with what you just said. The good thing is the role of pharmacists is ever expanding. We are constantly, um, each and every day, we're getting more and more roles within the medical community and we're growing because of technology. However, there are a couple problems that Shane and I have discussed ad nauseum outside of the podcast that I think it's important to bring up. Um, sometimes technology can push a little bit too hard on the pharmacists. Uh -huh. um, recently, one of the major chains did something they call virtual verification. And I'll be honest with you, it's the reason why I quit said chain recently, mm -hmm. because I'll be honest with you, Todd, someone's going to die. Someone is going to die with the way 
that this particular chain is pushing out medications without pharmacists even looking at the pills that are going to the patients these days. I hope one day it gets it gets totally reformed and they have to cancel it like the other chain did a few years ago. There, there's good things and bad things about technology. Um, certainly good things in terms of pharmacist roles, but you can't eliminate the pharmacist from the chain. It just won't work and it's going to hurt somebody. So there's a blog out by the Medical Futurist. This is medicalfuturist.com. And in this article, it says the future of pharmacies will be human. He says, despite all the tech talk, a constant element that will be an integral part of the pharmacy of the future is the human element. It's the pharmacist. The thing that you think would they, they exactly. would already have the whole time. Exactly. So technology is great, but sometimes it's not the tech because it's like, hey, that hammer, that hammer sucks. It, you know, it, it didn't work as intended. Well, maybe it's the way that you're using the hammer. And that's the way I think of technology. I think that we need to slow down and figure out how to best use our pharmacists, especially in consultative roles in, in senior care, in specialty disease states, rare disease states, to save money and increase outcome, better outcomes because of the limits that our payment models are putting on a pharmacist. They dispense the med, that prescription number is tied to the reimbursement mechanism and model. And then that's it. That's dumb. Dispense the med, pay for the med, but continue to pay the pharmacist as long as they are involved in that patient's case and treatment modality along the way. Shane, what do you think about that? What do you think about the future of pharmacy will be human? And, and that, that quote from the medical futurist. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Ask me what I'm drinking. What are you drinking, Shane? This is an Aspire energy drink, raspberry acai flavored. Oh, what is that? Oh, man, it is so good. It's a healthy energy, natural caffeine, no calories, no sugars, no carbs, just lightly sparkling and refreshing flavor and energy. Huh, that's got to have at least 300 calories in it, doesn't it? No way, man, zero calories. Jeez, do you think they sponsor our show? Not yet. Call me back, Aspire. I love you. We could be so beautiful together. Attention listeners, if we don't get 100 new subscribers on our Spotify this week, we're going to make Mickey Ferguson eat this tube of expired hydrocortisone. So please subscribe for his sake. I think that the medical future has said it really succinctly, and I agree with that, that there's always going to be a, a human element at the core of, of pharmacy, because while you're treating human patients, you need to have a human aspect because human health and, and physiology is so infinitely complex and variable, and it takes uh, experience and insight, and and there's a there's a subtlety to health that I think that, that computers are... Uh, not for a very, for a very long time, they're not going to be able to 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 match with with a human uh, without without human implementation. Technology is definitely an asset and it's a tool, but it's not going to replace pharmacists. There's uh, incredible application of technology in in pharmacies already, including um, pill counting machines, which are 
getting almost ubiquitous. And then there's also the technology that can actually identify medication, which is really useful. But and there's diagnostic criteria and there's software that can analyze patients' medication history for drug interactions, which is wonderful, but there's always going to be the human element that's required. And if you ask patients, typically they don't want to interact with machines just based on like some of the surveys that you'll see online about CVS or Walgreens or even like any like small shopping center like Harris Teeter. Patients don't want to use this like the self-checkout. They want to be checked out by a, a cashier. They want to talk to someone. They're like, I don't want to use the machine. I want that human interaction. And with a lot of people, this is the only human interaction they get. Like if we're talking to elderly patients, it's so important to take the time to actually communicate with them because this may be the only time that they're going out of the house all week and, and they want to talk to somebody. That's been my experience. Or, or another example being uh, just a person that may have been confused about their medications. And, yeah. uh, pharmacists are so much more than just counting pills and that's always the, the stigma, right? It's it's, you know, why couldn't you just put my pills in a bottle? You know, why, why do I have to go through all this? Exactly. But for the majority of, of patients, they might need that. Maybe, maybe grandma's taking her Xanaflex a little bit wrong and, and it's interacting with a different medication. You know, it's just, it's that's that kind of thing that uh, the doctor may not necessarily provide counseling on that a pharmacist has to be there. But if we keep moving farther and farther away from that human interaction, it's not a good thing. That's why I think it's the one thing that independent pharmacies have that, the chains can't compete with they if you want customer service go find an independent pharmacy go fill because they're going to take the best care of they don't you know some of the some of the big chains they don't care about you but independent pharmacists most certainly do and they appreciate your business and your time and that's something that the other chains can't provide so dr uh ramsey yacob farm d with single care he's single care's chief pharmacy officer he wrote that mental health disorders are estimated to affect one in five Americans. So if I take my trusty calculator of 300 million Americans, that means that 60 million Americans are suffering with some form of behavioral health issue or mental health issue from, from something as not as intrusive or not as serious, like maybe some, de some depression, clinical depression that comes and goes, and maybe it's not part of their life. Maybe they're going through uh, their someone passed away or a divorce or something, that's completely normal and natural. But there are these people that are dealing with ongoing chronic mental conditions. And there is no such thing as a psychiatrist pharmacist right now per se, as in packaged up like that. But I see niche becoming the future of the aspiring pharmacist to go out and build their own practice. And mental health to me is a I don't want to say gold mine like we're profiting on healthcare because I don't really think we should be doing that. But if you want an, a good, solid $120,000, $140,000, $160,000 career and you want to carve out your space, I think mental health is a big, big opportunity for pharmacists out there. I don't disagree. I'll give you one more as another example. Um, rehabilitation and sports recovery. That's something that pharmacists don't typically play a role in. But I'll give you an example. You sprained your MCL. Right. And, you're, and the doctor says, well, just, you know, do the rice thing, take some ibuprofen, you know, don't walk on it for a couple of days. There's a little bit more intricacies to that, that pharmacists can provide that doctors may not, you know, they may not even counsel on. So that's another example that I've been thinking of. That's a good one. There's actual paper out there by Mel uh, Strigel um, from Be Well, 
and this has um, uh, with the Butler University School of Pharmacy. And he wrote a paper called Put Me In Coach, How Pharmacists Can Contribute to Elite Sports. So my point is, don't think that the future of pharmacy, when you're at that P3, P4 level, and you're thinking about what am I going to do, even though there's opportunities to gain exposure uh, to hospital pharmacy, community, you know, the retail setting, which by the way, retail setting to me almost reminds me of, you know, if you wanted to go into FBI or you wanted to go in law enforcement and you joined the United States Army right out of school and you got your GI, and you got your education and you got it paid for for four years or eight years or however, I feel like retail pharmacy is like the, the training games to understand the public, to understand rapid, you know, um, data, rapid, you know, you're doing 600, 1200 prescriptions a day. However, that's not it. That That's not the end of your career. So think about something that interests you, whether that, you know, the topical world of sports, sports, for example, and sports injuries, when you're compounding a CBD and some kind of pain reliever and a magnesium from the guys over at Avedum Health that does like the TheraWorks Relief and all that other stuff, there are going to be opportunities for pharmacists to come up with things to help people heal faster, anti-inflammatory, um, the whole world of medical cannabis. Like I, I just, I think that if you wanted to become a pharmacist and you're new and you don't feel trampled and you, and you have hope, <laughs> even if you're 10 years in, 20 years in, if you have hope, the limits to you and your career as a pharmacist is really based on your hustle and your network, just like both you and Shane said, because if you get out there on LinkedIn, you get out there on the blogs, you get involved with, you know, some of the podcasts out there and connect with people, connect with these virtual conferences or try to get sponsored to go to a national conference. There are organizations out there looking for pharmacists with what you bring to the table to take and build upon you what they're trying to do as technologists, as people in P these new PBMs that are coming out. So, I hope that this episode with Let's Pharmanize and, and you, Cal, and you, Shane, will help the future of pharmacists, which, by the way, are my future listeners and our future listeners and people that I'm going to hopefully work for someday, that you have hope in our profession and realize you didn't, this isn't a mistake. I know you're taking on $170,000, $180,000, dollars of debt. That's not cool. But there is so many opportunities for you. And part of the reason why I even did what I did and left my, as my wife calls it, my real job to start a full-time audio publication was to help the future of pharmacy and help the future pharmacists that said, I want to do something different. What do you think, Shane? Am I crazy? I, I, no, I don't think you're crazy at all. I do. I do definitely, uh, definitely agree that there's a lot of a lot of hope to be found. I think that we're nearing a, a precipice, if you will, in regards to the current state of the profession of pharmacy. And I think that once we reach that precipice, there's going to be pretty profound change. I'm hoping for a renaissance around the corner. No, I don't want that to be too optimistic, but I think that there's definitely a possibility for some dramatic changes over the next you know, couple of years. Just in my short time in pharmacy, I've already noticed a trend, a general trend of pharmacists. And 
if I'm incorrect on this, if you're a pharmacist or a pharmacy student out there listening to this and uh, I'm, I'm wrong, just bash me in the comments. I want it. <laughs> Bring me the hate on this one. But pharmacists in general are relatively passive people. They're not very aggressive by nature, which is, you know, part of the training and part of the reason why we become pharmacists. However, the only thing that's going to keep pharmacy growing is pharmacists that's and right. people that work in pharmacy. Yep. It's important to take a stand and sometimes it's important to speak up when you see that something's wrong. If there's something, is there, if there's something that needs change or something that could better a patient or, or something in, in anything that you're doing, you see an avenue in pharmacy that, that is woefully understaffed in terms of pharmacy, go out and get it. That's the only way that things are going to keep improving for yourself in the pharmacy field as a whole. Agreed. That's a big agreed from us. Um, how much road do you have left, Cal, to be driving in order to make your trip complete? We're in Harrisburg tomorrow, and then we're heading back. It's about 10 hours left. <laughs> I miss the High Point Thomasville area. I want to get back. It's, things are too weird up north. These people <laughs> these people are crazy, I'm telling you. We are a little crazy up here. It's because of the lack of sunshine. We don't get enough sunshine. Like today was overcast. It's a little sunny right now, but I tell you it was rainy. We're getting cheated out of summer. It goes from... 89 degrees and it pummels down to low 60s and 50s um, and then it's overcast and we don't have any sunshine so maybe that's part of the the crazy of the north so um, I want you to give a, a shout out to an organization a professor a, a fellow pharmacy student I want both of you to give them a shout out and challenge them to do something different in the profession of pharmacy and I'll start with you Shane oh this is tough um, just to like anybody, <laughs> anyone, anyone in the profession. Um, geez, I hadn't, I wasn't prepared for this. Cal, do you want to, do you want to go first, Calvin? Uh, I'll keep it vague. I suppose I'll keep on the trend of what we've been talking about for the last 35 minutes. Got to keep challenging independent pharmacies. Yeah, they are. They are the future of pharmacy and they will continue to be pharmacy. You know, long time ago, they were just, you know, ma and pa soda, soda fountain shops that also gave out medications, but um, we can still have that feel. We can still bring pharmacy in that type of way to where people enjoy coming to the pharmacy. It's not a hassle to come to the pharmacy. I challenge any independent pharmacy to step it up. Be, continue to be that leader in the community because without you, there's just monopolies and it's not, yep. that's not the way pharmacy needs to go. True. I'll give a, I'll also keep it, keep it vague just to maybe retail community pharmacists in general, future pharmacy students. If you are a pharmacist, it is so important for you to advocate. You need to advocate for your profession. You need to advocate for your patients. If there are things that are going on in your workplace that are unsafe or are endangering your patients, you need to do something about it. You have a responsibility to your patients. You have a duty to your patients, regardless of your, it's, and it, it's, it's, more it's paramount it's more important than your job security is is your patient safety more so than anything that is absolutely paramount and it is so easy to email legislators or the board of pharmacy it's really not that difficult and many in many cases they want to hear from you they want to hear from their constituents they want to hear from the pharmacists in, in about the board they, they want to hear from pharmacists if things are, are unsafe and they want to improve patient safety and the way that conditions are in a lot of pharmacies, it's not conducive to maximizing patient safety. And that's the most important thing. We need to make sure that patients are safe. If there's easy ways to prevent errors from occurring and to prevent patient harm, we need to do it. It's 
just it's just that straightforward. It needs to be done. I applaud that. Um, Diversify RX by Dr. Lisa Fast is a conference I'll be going to in Dallas. It's coming up if it's not already um, happening, and um, and it's it's the time to coach community pharmacists to completely think outside the box where you're not attached to a prescription, you're not attached to a DIR fee, you're not worried about the PBM, you're doing something for your community that helps your community and brings value to your community and also builds revenue into your uh, community pharmacy and as a community pharmacist. Lots of, um, you know, 311,000 active pharmacists right now. And I predict over the next five to 10 years, a minimum of 10% of those pharmacists, so a minimum of 30,000 of you out there are going to be in consult consultative roles where you're going to be working with primary care and specialty physicians and specialty disease states and pediatrics and women health and birth control pharmacists and sports medicine and pharmacogenomics and just everything that we talked about today that's the what we consider out of the box of that traditional role of the pharmacist. I think that the future of pharmacy is anything but status quo. I really see it really transforming. I think it that we're at an inflection point and we're gonna remember these times. And the both of you um, are gonna say, you remember um, you know, 10, 20 years ago when pharmacy was like this. And then you guys will probably laugh about it and be like, wow, that was real you know, kind of stone agey in the way that they thought of pharmacists and use pharmacy. Medicaid plans are going to be directly attached to outcomes and the whole star rating system is going to impact commercial insurance organizations. And one third of the care comes directly from the medications that our, um, that our patients are on. So that's pharmacy. So that it's like a, it's like a no duh, like, Oh, like it's not a guesswork. It's not, maybe it'll happen. It's just when it's going to happen. All right. I'm going to kick you out of the studio now because you better get back on the road so you can get to Harrisburg. That's it. We got three hours left. <laughs> we got to drive, man. Yeah. You got to get something to eat, something to drink. Shane, oh, no, no. thank you for piping in to this impromptu, uh podcast. And thanks for being a part of this. I'm so proud of both of you. I hope that I'll always be in your um, electronic Rolodex. Rolodex is a is an '80s yeah. term. Yeah, man, that Rolodex. Yeah, the spinny, thingy. the spinning contact, spinning contact thingy. But um, I hope to always, you know, help the both of you and and be interconnected and 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 help you reach um, you know, new levels of success and what you're doing, and definitely just continue to to pump out the content that you're helping to generate. Um, it's just. It's just outstanding, and you, you're. I think you're naturals. Although I know it, it might sound, you know, polished and completed and funny and humorous to your listeners. But these guys put a lot of work, a lot of quality and 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 time into your podcast. Let's harmonize, oh, and no. I, I really appreciate both of you. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate you welcoming me into the HQ. But I will say we're not very funny natural. Shane is. I'm not. I'm not funny naturally. It takes editing to make me funny. So that's just yeah. I'm not funny either. <laughs> Shane, I don't know. Shane's got it. Check out our check out our social medias. Shane, Shane is pop, popping memes all the time onto those things. Check us out. Let's Farmanize. Let's Farmanize on Instagram is really popular. We do have a Twitter presence, but Twitter is like, um, hey, you made it. Thanks for listening to the show. 
Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to get updates on when we post new content. Also, go check out our website at www.letsfarmonize.com for blog content and old episodes. Finally, a special thanks to Kelly Kerr for creating the music for Let's Farmonize.